the luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out. Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio and with me as always is Mark Myers. Say hello, Mark. Hello. It's been a while since we watched the movie that was the first of a series and I found it boringer. Boringer? Is that a word? More boring? More boring. Than the uh, the other movies we'd watch in the series, so I'm excited to talk about this. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Dan Aquino is having his usual Dan Aquino technical difficulties, so he can't jump on with us. He's there in the ether, kind of on the other side of the uh, universe. But he'll be back next week, assuming he figures out his problems. <laughs> but we have a guest this week. He's a film critic and author of The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. His other bylines include films and review in AMC's The Bite. Currently, he hosts the podcast Return of the Living Geeks, which can be found on YouTube via Geek Vibe Nation podcast channel. Uh, welcome to the show, Mike Vaughn. Mike, welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. good. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I wanted to tell us a little bit about the your assorted shows that you have. Uh, yeah, so... As you said, I have the Return of the Living Geeks, which is my podcast where we just kind of geek out about horror movies or just basically anything geeky that's going on in movies, TV shows. And where where can they find that? Like, just is it just the Geek Vibes uh, YouTube channel, or yeah? So it's uh, on YouTube. It's Geek Vibes podcast, and then or you can just search Return of the, of the Living Geeks, and that that'll great, cool. Thank you for joining us for it's a special week this week, as we've done the past few years. But before we get into this week's movie, uh, we usually talk about what we've watched this week. So, Mike, have you watched anything uh, of any interest that you want to talk about? Uh, gosh, I I haven't watched anything new. 
it's yeah i've just basically been catching up on like some some old favorites i'm a little bit out of the loop okay well uh, we're gonna go to the next person that's also probably out of the loop mark have you watched anything this week what's the question again (laughs) (laughs) mark have you watched anything this week (laughs) no you know everybody knows the well documented that i have moved into my new place and Things I was not anticipating stopped me from seeing the Batman two weeks in a row. So hopefully I will see it for next week's episode. So we'll release our Batman podcast uh, three weeks after people stop talking about it. Exactly. (laughs) As for me, I did see the Batman, but now I can't talk about it. (laughs) I like it, but people need to calm their tits just ever so often about things. And it's not just the Batman. It's just about everything nowadays in internet culture and geek culture where everything is either the best or the worst thing ever created. We all just need to calm the fuck down. Yeah, I I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Besides that, I also watched Turning Red, new Pixar movie. It is Pixar, right? It's not just a Disney movie. Pixar. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to be that that guy that became the Internet's uh, protagonist a couple days ago when he said that it wasn't relatable because it wasn't about a white man. (laughs) No, it's good. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was annoying at first. Because I'm just not in that mindset of a 12-year-old girl. But yeah. it wound up charming me very much. I liked it better than I liked Luca. I wasn't a huge fan of Luca. But, you know, yeah. it's another Pixar movie. It was fun. Yeah, it didn't have that um, like emotional relatability that like uh, an Inside Out or something did. Right? A little or, bit of it. A little bit? Okay. I could definitely see it. There's... You know, it's about it's basically about becoming, you know, that that awkward phase between become being a child and being an adult and, you know, coming to terms with being that being your own person and also being the person that your parents want you to be or what they see you as. And that kind of struggle to hold on to childhood, but also at the same time, become your own person. So I think it's a super relatable movie in that aspect. Oh, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I think everybody like I think he hung up on the fact that it was so specific about girls that were obsessed with boy bands about living in Toronto. I was like, who cares where it takes place? Like I wasn't, re- I wasn't really super relating to Riley and in inside out because she was moving from Minnesota to San Francisco, but it wound up being an amazing movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I meant more that you, you, you said uh charming. I just thought that you meant that it was just like a cute movie that didn't have any that deepness. No, it's definitely got that deepness, but got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we watched this week. Not a whole lot. Uh, I've started watching. I've been doing a really deep rewatch of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which I haven't watched oh, since nice. since college. So 15 yeah. years ago at this point. It's fucking stupid, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really dumb. And but I still enjoy it. Other than that, not much. We're still watching the uh, the dropout on Hulu. Oh, and... Yeah, that's, that's good. I like I like that. Yeah, I've been fascinated by those stories of con artists <laughs> and Amanda right? Seyfried's really good in it yeah I was gonna say this is definitely the the year of the uh con artist because it was like this and inventing Anna yeah and then uh the tinder swindler that documentary oh yeah was, yeah 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 it's it's pretty good I still highly suggest the dropout other than that one of the things that I wanted to talk about before we go to our first break Mark we have a yeah. poll coming up yes we do. So, so we have a poll coming up. Uh, it'll probably be up. Well, this is going up Thursday. So you'll be seeing the poll on our Twitter next week uh, for our March movie of the month. And this month is, despite my best ideas, because I, I know what Mark was going to pick, 
<laughs> we decided to go with baseball movies this week as baseball is coming back next month. So picked three baseball movies. Mark, what movie did you pick? Summer Catch. Summer Catch, which I think I have to go back and look. I think I put it in four times. This might be the third or fourth time you've picked Summer Catch for this movie. So I'm <laughs> I'm laying down the gauntlet. We're going to do a win or retire match <laughs> for okay. Summer Catch. It's either wins or you can't pick it for for a oh. while. <laughs> Is it like the Sword and Sandals ban? Yeah, Sword and Sandals are still banned, um, <laughs> even though we wound up watching one after the ban. So, yeah, this is a winner-retire match. That's fine. You might win. You might win because it's going up against Major League 3 back to the minors, and Dan picked Mr. 3000, the Bernie Mac movie. So those three are going to go up on the poll next week, and you'll have all week probably to choose, unless I forget to set the the parameters of how how long. For more than a day. (laughs) And then our last episode of the month will be our baseball movie pick. So check that out at Tick Tam Pod or TC Tam Pod, whatever you want to call it, but it's TCTAM Pod on Twitter. That's where you're going to be able to find it next week. All right. And that's all we watched this week. That's all we'll have to talk about our Twitter poll. So check it out. And we're going to be back in a second while you guys are going to list some ads so we can pay those bills. And we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week is St. Patrick's Day. Actually, the day this podcast gets released, it will be St. Patrick's Day. So happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Mark. (laughs) Top of the morning to you. There you go. Mike, are you Irish at all? No. Nope. (laughs) So happy Thursday to you. I mean, but you can still, I mean, you you know, you can still kiss me. That's fine. (laughs) So as we've done every year, I think uh, that we've had a St. Patrick's Day episode, we have done a Leprechaun movie. And last year I said that Leprechaun in the Hood was going to be our last one because I hated that movie that much. And then, you know, a year goes by and I'm like, you know what? Well, let's go back kind of to the roots and maybe that'll be not quite as terrible. So we decided to pick the Jennifer Aniston starring... Uh, original leprechaun from 1993 gentlemen i want to know where you guys are coming from with leprechaun let's start with you mike yeah so it, it's it's weird i used to kind of like this movie but i feel like uh the older i get the less i like it <laughs> um i don't know it, it's just like uh totally it's just really weird and i guess I think I only watch it basically out of nostalgia at this point. When do when do you remember watching it for the first time? Gosh, I think probably way too young. Uh, <laughs> I think this was like a, a VHS tape because I'm old. That my sister and I snuck. I think we might have like maybe watched it at a neighbor's house and like the neighbors didn't give a shit what we watched <laughs> so yeah but yeah probably way too uh young than we should have but yeah i remember it being like scary as a kid but i mean i was like six or seven at the time you know now of course it's like pretty ridiculous and uh it's kind of surreal to see jennifer aniston um fighting warwick davis <laughs> Sure. Although I feel like there needs to be a Leprechaun Medea crossover. 
I would watch that if yeah. it was the if it was Warwick Davis and none of yeah. these new guys. But yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd watch I that. Mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would actually like put money down for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would be down for either watching the amount of these movies. Just give me anything that's new and interesting. And I'm like, sure. I lasted through Leprechaun in the Hood. I can deal with anything. You can make it through anything. I can make it through anything. <laughs> uh, Mark, where are you coming from with this movie? Have you seen this before? I've seen a couple scenes of it, probably when I wasn't supposed to at a young age. The thing I remembered the most was the kitchen scene when they're trying to shoot them in the cabinets. Sure. That's the only one that popped into my head that, that I remember um, before I probably got chased out of the room. But so, yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, we had the history with the other uh, Leprechaun movies. I, the, the one thing I'll say about this is maybe because there wasn't like a real gimmick to it. There were parts where it just was dragged and was a little boring for me. You know, I, I lasted through some of the sequels because, you know, it's like, all right, what stupid thing from this scene or setting or theme are they going to pull out next? Right. To either be really bad or like really problematic. Like, I'm just looking forward to that. And this was very straightforward. I guess as straightforward of a monster movie as you can get for a little tiny leprechaun. Sure. And it made, it felt, it felt boring maybe because I watched them out of order, <laughs> but I will say, um, I do like that. We had, it was the kid. Was that the, that, that kid's been in something else we watched, right? Are you talking about Alex, Robert High Gordon? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I know we've watched Mark Holton in a couple of things. Yes, right? yes. I'll look it up while I'm talking. But yeah, it was it was just interesting because like having decent like character actors in there have their little scenes made it a you know a lot more entertaining. It probably should have been because the two leads, as much as you know, as time goes on, I start thinking to myself, Jennifer Henson is not a great actress, huh? <laughs> she had she had one one speed, and that was Rachel Green. Yeah, and it's like, huh. because yeah, the other two were were the best parts, and Warwick Davis, obviously. There wasn't as much um, limericks and stuff like that, so that was kind of disappointing. <laughs> uh, you live for the limericks, yeah. Just there, like, what stupid limer can they come up with next? So, yeah, I, I, I was expecting a little bit more. I, I either wanted it to be just as goofy as the other ones or be, like, extreme horror. You know, like, do the difference between totally different genres, but to be, like, the difference between, like, how uh, Rambo 1 and Rambo 2, how they're just completely different movies, like, right. types of movies. Um, I wanted this to be like straight up your Jason Freddy, like horror with not that much comedy in it. Um, but it tried, it, it didn't know what it was and couldn't decide which side of the fence to be on. And that ultimately made it, you know, a little bit of a dry watch for me. As for me, I don't believe I've ever seen this movie before. 
I was definitely watching horror movies way too young. And this probably passed by me. This was probably one of like the ones that my dad vetoed. I was like, I'm not renting this from the video store. Then Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I remember just hard nose being passed as then he was like, all right, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. That's fine. I'll let you get that. Yeah, I think it is a different perspective watching this after watching three other movies, one of which almost canceled this entire segment <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's I thought this was fine. I like seeing Jennifer Aniston so young in this show up and doing OK. I thought she was an OK. OK, in this uh, she's not. Obviously, she's not anything good. She's playing. She's playing Jennifer Aniston, which uh, co- I come to believe that Rachel Green is not far from what Jennifer Aniston yeah. was. But um, she's good in it. And that's about it. You know, Warwick Davis, it's fun. I, I can't believe how many sequels this movie has yeah. has created. Because it's not that good. <laughs> no, no. It, it's not even like the comparison I made where you can see why they did. Yeah. You know, sequels to like the first Nightmare on Elm Street, the first Friday the 13th, like even the Rambo comparison. You know why they kept making sequels. Yeah. After watching this, I'm like, I I have no clue. Like, did this make a ton of money? I mean, you'll tell us soon. But like, yeah. that could be the only thing. Yeah, and I guess it's it's obvious of why they started with the gimmicks so early. They they went to Vegas in the in three. They went to space in four, and then they went to the hood in five. And they went to back in the hood at some point too. It because this is such a thin plot. Yeah, I can't think of any set like any set piece in this movie that's like, oh yeah, that was fun. Like there's a lot of comedy in it, but it's not particularly it's not particularly entertaining. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and to circle back real quick on Robert Gorman, he was in Rookie of the Year. That's where I know him from because I watched yes. that movie more times than I can count. He was also in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which yeah. is where I know him from. Yeah, because we stand Christina Applegate on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I. It's there's not really a whole lot to talk about on top of like overall in this movie it's a very simple story and it just sort of exists i really don't have much more to say about that i will like say that um i do kind of like the i mean i do like the humor in it i think that that's kind of what saves it for me just barely but i mean mark jones clearly was kind of in on the joke. Yeah, sure. But it's so weird because everything else is played so um, straight that, again, I feel like that's where the movie's sort of weird. It's just tonally weird, but also, you know, like it's in on its campy joke, but then not really. <laughs> so there's this really weird, like, tug and pull. Sure. Um, That I feel like, is kind of why I think the sequels work better because, like, I mean, three and four especially, like, they go they they go hard on the camp. So, you know, it, it's you don't have this weird like, okay, we're we're you know taking this premise like seriously. Um, I mean, even the sequel kind of leans a little more in the camp realm, which I think is smart when you're doing one of these. So I think that's why like part one is actually like my least favorite. And I think like maybe three or four is probably the one I've seen more. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't even know what is 
Is there a gimmick behind two, or is it just kind of the sequel? Two doesn't really have a gimmick. I mean, I guess like it sort of tries to do something interesting or clever with the like lore of the Leprechaun. Like they do like a kind of a cold open where it's like set in medieval times or something. So that's that's kind of interesting, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I kind of just love him in Vegas hanging out with like an Elvis impersonator. Like that's <laughs> that's like peak leprechaun for me. Yeah, I think that might be my favorite one of the ones we yeah. watched. Yeah, especially because I, I did specifically think of that scene, too, because he was uh, he was killing people that, uh, you know, uh, collateral damage in this one. And I was like, uh, going back to a time when he would actually let somebody live and it was it was Elvis impersonator. It's also interesting because we know because how watching these out of order, we know how ridiculous his powers get mm-hmm. and like how inconsistent they are to see how they're. They're, he's not super powerful. Like he can kind of teleport at this point, but nothing, nothing more than that. Besides, like clawing people's faces off and biting them. But uh, no magic flute. No magic flute. That's a in back in in the hood. He's got a magic flute that he has to try and get back. So that was yeah. How like every every. Every sequel in this is like the Nightmare on Elm Street 2 issue where you have clearly set rules in the first film. And then each one of these just says, no, no, we're making our own rules for this one. It's fine. Just don't think about it too hard. Yeah. (laughs) And when you go into one of these movies, I mean, it's best not to really think about it too hard. Yeah, sure. So, Leprechaun from 1993 is directed by Mark Jones, who's director of Rumpelstiltskin, which is probably very similar to this movie. I haven't seen that one, but I imagine it's very similar. And also directed Quiet Kill and Scorned. Also, they had a lot of writing credits, mostly not a whole lot of directing. Stars, Warwick Davis, Jennifer Aniston, Ken Olant, Mark Holton, Robert High Gorman, Shay Duffin, and John Sanderford. Has an IMDb score of 4.8 and a Rotten Tomato score of 27%. Budget, $900,000. Box office, $8.5 million. So, made a good amount of money for a cheap budget. I'll say the Leprechaun uh, look is pretty good. I don't even know who did the uh, the makeup effects. Uh, Gabe Bartelis. Because I... I don't remember important things, but I know stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know any of his work from anywhere else? Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up his IMBD. I know he worked with Frank Henenlotter a lot on okay. some of his movies. So I guess he did um, actually pretty recently um, makeup effects on Army of the Dead. But his credits are pretty extensive. Let me look. So he did everything from Spookies, which I'm an unapologetic fan of. <laughs> have you all seen that movie? I have seen it, yes. Yes, with some farting muck men. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's done like Basket Case 2, um, Frankenhooker, a bunch of stuff. But I mean, this is this is like easily like what he's like most famous for. 
And yeah, it, it's like incredible makeup. And, and it's kind of a shame because when I see like clips of like some of the later ones, like I haven't seen the hood movies, but the makeup is really awful. Like, I don't think it's as it's definitely not as good as like in the first couple sequels, at least. Yeah, it, I, it seems like they kind of did like cheaper and cheaper each time. Yeah, and it's not that it looked particularly bad. It's just it didn't like you could tell that like he did it much better. I don't even think he did the makeup for like the new the newer. I'm looking just to make sure. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he did. But um, yeah, I still don't think it's as good as the. Um, as the other films, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, some great makeup work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, like this movie as, as dumb and silly as it is, I think that that's one like huge prop it gets, which is like, he looks like freaky as hell. Like I legit wouldn't want to see that in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could see this being a, like a and a gateway horror film because it's it's not super hard r like there's not that much gore there's not that much there's no there's no sex in it it's very sexless so i could see this being a lot of people's like first introduction to horror movies there's always yeah. a place for that i feel like it's interesting because i i i probably watched this and child's play around the same time so that kind of tracks right with like um like evil little things. I always think that those kind of make the best um like kids horror like the gate. Of... Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um the gate's another good one. But uh yeah, it's um it's so weird because you know watching it like now it is like so weird how you can totally see how this was actually supposed to be like a more kid-friendly horror film but then they were like no we need some gore you know to get the r rating and and get more um attention clearly it worked it made a lot of money but um again that's kind of where like the tonal disconnect for me because it it does feel so uh, almost like wholesome sitcom-y at, at the beginning yeah there's definitely some sitcom-y feel to it Especially especially in the like towards the end, the third act where he's, you know, playing uh, whack-a-mole in the can cabinets and then he's kind of yeah. doing the slide <laughs> in the hallway like he's in Scooby Doo. So yeah. there's definitely that those moments. And like the whole pedal I, car I, too. Yeah. I mean it was kind of, it was like some sound effects away from being like a Hannah Barbera cartoon at some right. point. The shoe shining gimmick. <laughs> that's a pretty that's pretty great i kind of love yeah. that moment yeah, that might be my uh, favorite moment in the movie i do I, i'm getting i was getting annoyed at them it was like you should be throwing throw some like into the other direction you know <laughs> it's like, like so he has to go get it because they keep throwing it at him it's like oh thank you for tossing him to me but that was just me uh. and like nobody <laughs> nobody made a foot fetish joke either so yeah. it was a very simpler time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I 
after the other three movies that we have watched, the the shoe shining does not come up ever again. Maybe in the Leprechaun too it does, but I don't remember it happening in three in space or in the hood. Yeah, it, it's 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 like you said. It, it's like they definitely just pretty much. Um, I mean, there is a little bit of, of lore established here, but yeah, it's like let's just chuck it and start from scratch. Um, I mean, if you kind of wanted to make sense of it, you know, not that this really would anyways but like i've heard that like each leprechaun in the mo- in each movie's a different leprechaun okay um that's like a theory that um some people uh you know subscribe to so i'm kind of looking at i'm looking at the uh the series as a whole on rotten tomatoes so back to the hood i guess is the final one that Warwick Davis was in. There's something called Leprechaun's Revenge, but I'm pretty sure that's like a an asylum film. I don't think that goes. Well, like, wasn't lore. there like a wasn't there like a sort of like serious reboot or something where yes. it used a name, but it wasn't like the I don't know, like it in it was like... in 2014 there was Leprechaun Origins. Which oh, starred Hornswoggle. That's what I'm thinking of. I think. Yeah. As uh, as Leprechaun. Yeah, and then and, there was um, Return uh, Leprechaun Returns or something. Yes, in 2018. I, yeah. Have you all seen that? Nope. But this has a 50 percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> which is the yeah, highest. Um, yeah, I believe Ozzy returns for that. Oh, does he? Mark yeah. Holton. Yeah, Ozzy's there. Yeah. Look at him. Does he get? Does he get to say "fuck your lucky charms" like a badass? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Lyndon Porco plays the leprechaun in that. I don't know who he is. That's a... all right. Uh, you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so as we do every week, but Dan is not here. We usually plug Tia's podcast or one of her many podcasts uh it's tea time with tia or coffee break with tia something dan's got this down i don't um listen back to our other podcasts and she'll and then you <laughs> could get a great uh read from him of how yeah. but uh like yeah, as with tia and brit yes tea time with tia and brit itty bitty brit i know she streams at itty bitty brit and that's also her twitter handle and i know tc underscore underscore stark is tia's Twitter handle, so check them both out. Give them follows. Give them listens. They're great people. I'm probably going to try and have Tia on again soon. So we're going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast, and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. A 
oh hi, didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly. The show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribed to the Best Little Horror House in Philly, and I'll see you boils and ghouls over there. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into the plot for Leprechaun. We open on our titular Leprechaun coming down a stone stairway that sits down to pet his gold and rhyme about how if anyone steals his gold, he will kill them. Then outside, a limo drives up at night onto a farm and out pops a whiskey-guzzling old man in the baggiest goddamn suit I've ever seen. His pants are way too fucking... Um, and he stumbles up to the farmhouse. His name is Mr. O'Grady, and he starts talking about his mansion uh, to his wife and sends the driver off. Brings out an urn, which she thinks is still carrying his mother's ashes, but he tells her they aren't, and they then smashes it to reveal the pouch of gold, which he says that he got from a leprechaun when he caught one. He says their money problems are over, and it starts to rain. At night, while the wife is making some tea, she hears some noises coming from O'Grady's suitcase. Sounds like a child that says he needs to get out because he su- he'll suffocate. Then the suitcase opens up, and the leprechaun pops out, and the old woman falls back and down the basement steps, breaking her neck. O'Grady then comes back into the house after hiding the gold, and he calls out to his wife. And he hears her voice, but the leprechaun comes in, impersonating her voice while carrying a tray of tea. And he demands to find out where Grady hid O'Grady hid the gold. So Grady goes to get a gun and a four-leaf clover, which he holds like you would a cross to the va- to a vampire. The leprechaun runs as O'Grady shoots at him. The leprechaun heads down to the basement where O'Grady's wife's body is still lying. Yeah. Lepre- so okay. I, this is. I think this is the part where um is is this when he's put him. Uh, excuse me if he did say this uh, when they put him back in the box already or no? No. This is okay. I, yeah. I have something to say when we. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, uh, the first her some more, and then O'Grady shoots at the leprechaun. I guess he manages to hit him, but, uh, it's kind of really with no fanfare, but then he, cause he then just picks up the leprechaun and tosses him into the box and then nails it shut with a four-leaf clover on top. So, my thing is, um, so he puts, at this point, all the gasoline on there, right? Yep. And wife's down there dead. Why does he, and maybe it's cause we know where the series goes, why doesn't he just light it then? The you know the wife's already dead. Like why take the time and give him the chance to get out of the box to carry the wife upstairs? <laughs> sure. You know what I mean. Uh, I I guess there is a difference between your wife being dead and giving her a proper funeral and then incinerating <laughs> her with a leprechaun. <laughs> I mean, I guess because we know the leprechaun's going to kill kills people. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's having an outside view of it. Yeah, I think Mr. O'Grady, maybe Mr. O'Grady feels a little bit more for his wife. Than and you do like, you're just like ah fuck it she's dead already she's man dead already. Just, she's gone just... you're rich she's gone time to get you a young trophy wife exactly yeah also how was he not like the main suspect in her murder right yeah he's probably oh i'm gonna get blamed for this maybe that's why he ends up where he is they don't really explain that that's true too yeah i was thinking about that when we were watching when i was watching it was, I was like uh that they never found the leprechaun so and they found O'Grady almost dead of a stroke, I suppose is what they said. And then his dead wife, I I assume that they are going to blame him unless they just say it's an accident because she fell down steps, which I guess is plausible too. 
but yeah, definitely public uh, public enemy number one on that one. Yeah, it's just the circumstances like surrounding that seem pretty suspicious. Sus, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then O'Grady starts pouring gasoline over the box and gets ready to light it, but he get I said he was had a heart attack here, but he has a stroke and uh, doesn't get to light it. We then cut to 10 years later as a red Jeep drives the countryside as Jennifer Aniston complains about being stuck in North Dakota with her father for the summer, completely in ADR. (laughs) Yeah, there's no wind background at all to this. (laughs) They pull up to the house from the beginning and she complains even more as there aren't any of the frivolous things that she has grown accustomed to while living in California, like swimming pools and shopping malls. Classic Rachel Green stuff. Takes her into the basement to show her around, which seems like a weird place to start the tour. And the house in the basement seems like it hasn't been touched in those 10 years. There are spiders all over the place. So Jennifer Aniston freaks out and storms out of the house and uses her enormous 1993 cell phone to try and book a hotel room. (laughs) Then runs into a hunky dude carrying a bucket of paint. So Tori, Jennifer Aniston, and Nathan Ken Olent flirt a little bit about some very 90s gen politics until Tori's dad comes out of the house with her luggage, telling her that he's not going to fight her all summer about living in the house. And she changes her tune and laughs it off and brings her bags inside because now there's a hunky dude around, so she'll stay. And she wants to prove that she's not afraid of anything. Then we cut to Ozzy, Mark Holton from Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Teen Wolf, and Teen Wolf too, talking about a flying saucer he saw to Alex, Nathan's kid brother. Tori's dad comes over to introduce himself, and we find out that they are some sort of handyman business doing some painting and repairs. And apparently the kid knows about insurances and OSHA practices. He's very uh, he's very well-rounded. He he knows yeah. he apparently he could probably fix cars too. We don't get to see him do that, but he has an idea to do that at the end. So it's always that kid always when like the kids are, oh, I know everything about cars. He's like the kid from that French Home Alone movie. That's right, yeah. Oh yeah, that's what they're um, Was that movie Dial Code Santa or something? Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that movie, but it had a it. it Deadly Games was one of the names of the movie. Yeah, yeah, hmm. For, yeah. French Home Alone is French Home Alone. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> um, Tori brings some drinks on a tray down to the basement to bring to Nathan. As she tries to find him, he bumps into her, knocking the tray on the ground. Meanwhile, the leprechaun starts to stir in the box. Nathan starts poking around the stuff in the basement and talks about how O'Grady used to own the property. And Tori decides she's going to start poking around the box too. And when she gets ready to pry open the box with the leprechaun, they hear a scream coming from upstairs. They run up the stairs and out the door and find Ozzy covered in blue paint, cursing Alex for not holding the ladder. Tori points him in the direction of the bathroom and Ozzy goes to wash up. When he gets out of the bathroom, Ozzy hears the voice of a child somewhere in the house. When he goes to investigate, he winds up in the basement and brought right to the box with the leprechaun in it. He hears the voice come from the box and pushes the clover off the box, which then gives Leprechaun the power to finally bust out. As he gets pushed back as Leprechaun busts out, then eats a scorpion, saying he hasn't eaten in ten years. Leprechaun asks Ozzy if he's seen a bag of gold, and if he doesn't tell him where it is, he's going to bite his ear off and make leather out of it. He also mentions he's in the shoe business. This is uh, foreshadowing. Yep. (laughs) Ozzy runs and Leprechaun tries to use his powers to keep Ozzy in the basement, but his powers aren't strong enough to keep Ozzy from opening the door. So Ozzy runs up and out of the house to tell everyone they saw a leprechaun uh, and Ozzy telling his stories again. And Nathan says that he's going to go down there to show Ozzy that there's nothing down there. Everyone else also decides to come down and look with him. They go searching around the basement and start hearing some shifting going on as the leprechaun looks on from the other side of the basement. But it winds up being a rat, which is enough for Ozzy and Tori to lose their nerve and everyone stumbles up the steps and back out the house. 
When they get upstairs, suddenly a rainbow appears, which freaks Ozzy out even more, causing him to head for the hills. Alex chases after him, telling his brother that he'll calm him down and bring him back. Alex and Ozzy run through the field, eventually coming upon a broken down truck where the rainbow has stopped. Alex talks about fixing up the truck and they find a single gold piece and then the entire bag of gold. Alex grabs the bag and starts going through it while Ozzy bites the gold piece to test it to see if it's real. He inadvertently swallows it instead. They got a real uh, Lenny and uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. From Of Mice and Men thing Mice going men, on. Yeah. <laughs> what's the other guy's name? Lenny and Lenny not Lenny. And Carl. Lenny and Carl's the Simpsons. Lenny and Squiggy oh, is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is uh, I was going to say Squiggy. <laughs> yeah. That's the only Lenny's I could think of right now. Uh, so I Alex got it. You said, can keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Alex says that he's going to take a piece into town to see if it's real, but they need to hide it from everyone else. Otherwise, someone is going else is going to take it from them. So he tells Ozzy he plans to hide it in the old well on the property. And Alex says that they could afford to get Ozzy an operation to make him smarter <laughs> and then head to the well. Fix yeah. his brain. Fix his brain. Yeah. <laughs> It's George. George and Lane. George! George. There we go. At the ravage, George. (laughs) (laughs) I was not going to be able to sleep at night if you didn't figure that out. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Thank you. Alex says he's going to take it. Okay, so back at the house, Nathan is showing Tori how to paint a house with brushes that is going to take another 10 years to do. And also, this paint job is awful. (laughs) It's bright blue and red. It's going to look like a popsicle. Well, that's what you get when you hire a company called Three Guys That Paint Things or whatever it's called. <laughs> and also they got like they're he run, he runs out of paint and he they haven't they haven't even finished a a shutter yet. I was like, man, how much paint you got? Because this does not seem like a great operation here. But this, yeah, is, I mean, this is literally their job. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't seem planned. They don't they don't seem to know how to like paint efficiently. There's just like, oh, here's a splotch right here. And I'm going to go over here and make another splotch. And then eventually those splotches will eventually meet. It Having just like painted a-, a room, I feel like this is not super efficient. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like it's a front for something else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately they run out of paint. So Nathan goes to get some more. Tori goes up the truck, which seems to be carrying all the paint cans. Leprechaun is hiding, on, hiding under the flatbed and starts caressing Tori's leg. She reacts thinking it's Nathan, but then the leprechaun decides to scratch her, leaving bleeding scratches in her leg. Nathan and her dad come to help her, and her dad says it was probably just a possum. And she knows the difference between, and she says she knows the difference between a man touching her leg and an animal. And he says, "You do." <laughs> which I thought was a pretty funny line. Typical dad. Yeah, she's also probably like she's like twenty. 324 at this point it's like come on man you can't be yeah. that yeah jennifer is definitely 24 i don't know what this character was going for yeah it's like also, it's also it's jennifer aston can we just say that nathan is the off-brand joey lawrence yeah that's true yeah <laughs> yeah i was trying to figure out who he looked like um but that's pretty good yeah it very much feels like they offered it to joey lawrence and he said no he was like <laughs> he said, whoa whoa no said, like, no no <laughs> And then when they help her up, they hear a cat meowing and the dad decides that it was just the cat. So they track the cat meowing to a knot hole in a tree stump and the dad sticks his hand in there all willy nilly and winds up getting bit by a leprechaun. Like I, I 100% thought this was going to be a gag. Oh, we're like, oh, I got you guys. Yeah. 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 So he deserves it, though. Who sticks yeah. his fucking hand down there like that? Exactly. Yeah. Person that's never been around a cat before. <laughs> Uh, he gets bit so bad they wind up having to run off to the hospital in the truck with Alex and Ozzy in tow. They head to the hospital and Nathan tells Ozzy and Alex to go get something to eat in town. 
and they'll meet up after Tori's dad gets out of the ER. Instead, Alex and Ozzy decide to try and get the gold coin appraised at a coin collector, which seems to be the only other store which is convenient on this one stretch of road. Meanwhile, the leprechaun follows them on his tricycle. The coin collector looks it over and says he's never seen a coin quite like it. From a gold perspective, they're looking at around $500, but it could be rare enough that it would be much more than that. So he asks them to hold it, hold on to it so he could study it. So he writes a receipt for them and plans to put it in a safe for the night. So Alex and Ozzy leave and the coin collector goes to lock it up for the night and put the coin in the safe. Out of nowhere, a tricycle comes rolling into his office as he tries to open the safe. And then when he opens the safe, the leprechaun pops out of it and then he bites the shop owner, demanding his gold coin. It's very selective in his his use of his powers. Like he was able to get inside that safe. Why did he need to use a tricycle to get where he was going? That's just me. It's adorable. <laughs> it is quite the sight. It is quite the sight to see. So the shopkeeper gives up the coin and the leprechaun takes a pogo stick and hops up and down on him until he dies. Then he cleans his shoes for him for good measure and then takes a pedal car, which I think is actually just like a, a really small motorized car. I don't even think it's a real motor car. Uh, at a diner, Tori and Nathan have some coffee as they wait for Ozzy and Alex. Tori's upset that her dad is in the hospital, and Nathan tells her, well, at least the worst is over. The leprechaun is now driving this tiny car on the highway fast enough to have the state trooper pull him over. Trooper gets out of his vehicle and tells the leprechaun to step out of the car. The leprechaun grabs him by the face with his nails and throws his gun away. Chase ensues as the trooper hightails it into the woods. Uh, meanwhile, in the diner... Tori makes cliched 90s remarks about how she misses Evian water, which is so quaint that bottled water is some sort of status symbol in 1993. The trooper manages to duck behind a tree and loses the leprechaun for a moment. Armed with his baton, he makes a break for it until he stumbles upon the leprechaun's hat, which he decides to pick up instead of just running the fuck away. Leprechaun then starts disappearing and reappearing behind trees, freaking out the trooper, but then the leprechaun just sort of prances off into the woods. Trooper then flops down to the base of a tree, trying to catch his breath. And then the leprechaun hops down from the tree and onto the trooper's shoulders and snaps his neck. Back at the diner, Nathan tries to get Tori to have some of his meatloaf, but Tori says that she is a vegetarian. So no, so Nathan shames when we need him. I know, right? I was thinking about him when we were watching this. So Nathan shames her for wearing leather shoes, which, uh, you know, maybe fake leather. And Ozzy and Alex show up. The leprechaun then makes it back to the farm, starts nosing around the house in the dark, looking for his pot of gold comes across a Lucky Charms box, which takes a bite out of some of the cereal. And I feel like this entire scene was just written around that joke. <laughs> and then a mirror, which he checks himself out in and finds some shoes to shine. And he goes to work on them, but no sign of the gold. The group comes home. The house is a mess. Nathan says it must have been a bear. But Tori sees all the shoes on the table. And Ozzy says that the leprechaun tried to shine his shoes when he saw him. So Tori says that the guys can sit here and theorize, but she's out of here. So she leaves and then immediately comes back saying it's too dark outside. <laughs> yeah it was like it was that setup you were talking about like this is where the sitcom level stuff starts coming into play yeah that yeah. felt like a very sitcom -y beat yeah yeah some of it is like a laugh track away from like full one yeah <laughs> very much felt like a chandler rachel sure yeah <laughs> i was gonna say that was an uncle jesse move <laughs> so they spend some time cleaning up the house and nathan and tori hear a bicycle bell coming from another room when they go to investigate it's ozzy with the bell that he found so Nathan goes to figure out the state of the rooms and where everyone's going to sleep at night. And Tori says she's going to get her purse to go stay at a hotel. Ozzy and Alex then theorize about the prospects of killing a leprechaun. And then Tori and Nathan come back to the sound of, of the ringing bicycle bell. Only this time it's not Ozzy. Nathan goes to investigate the kitchen and everyone sticks close by him because they're scared. Another sitcom move, sitcom yeah. beat. He goes outside to continue the investigation. Nathan winds up getting caught in a bear trap. 
The leprechaun hops out of darkness, celebrating his catch. Tries to sever Nathan's leg with an axe, but Nathan just moves out of the way and starts just bashing the shit out of the leprechaun with a big-ass flashlight. <laughs> the rest of the group come out of the, the house to see what the commotion is, and they all start just taking turns beating the shit out of the leprechaun as he tries to bite Nathan's leg off. This felt like the scene in Shaun of the Dead where I think it's the the bar the barkeep is oh, yeah. is in the like in the middle of the room and they just all just take turns beating the shit out of him to to Queen. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. It's like everybody just get in on this. <laughs> Ozzy goes into the house to call the police and Alex goes to grab Nathan's shotgun. Ozzy gets a hold of the sheriff's office and tells them that the leprechaun is attacking on O'Grady's farm. But Ozzy has a tendency to make these sorts of calls and they just sort of blow him off. Alex comes back with a shotgun and hands it to Nathan, who then sends a shot right into the leprechaun's chest to where he prized the bear trap off of Nathan, who then unloads the shotgun into the bushes where he last saw the leprechaun. But there is no leprechaun. He's very uh, very liberal with the his use of the shotgun shells. Not really taking account yeah. of, a, of a finite amount of, of ammo. He's, he's got infinite rounds. Just right. <laughs> yeah, it never comes. It's like never an issue. Like it, you would think that because they have this gun in like these sorts of movies, it always becomes a thing of like how many shells we have left. Never. Yeah, he it only jams once, and that was so the leprechaun could run past them. Yeah, and and Tori freezes like all like like all hell with yeah. the, with the clover. She's just like I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Tori takes a look at Nathan and says that they need to call the paramedics. So Ozzy tells her that he took care of it when he called the sheriff, but she is skeptical that they are coming based on the fact that he told the sheriff it was a leprechaun. Oh, such a sweet moment. He's like, did you tell him it was a leprechaun? Yeah, because it was. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's like, I, I don't know how like people that are advocates for mental disorders feel about his performance, but he's yeah. a very endearing character. Yes. I will say. Tori tries to call for help, but the line is dead. So they dress Nathan's wound and pile him into the work truck to get him some help. Doesn't start. So Alex gets out to try and fix what he thinks is wrong. But when he opens the hood of hood the leprechaun is going ham on the engine then he then goes after them in the cab after they lock the doors he breaks the windshield and winds up biting ozzy in the ear foreshadowing complete yeah like the uh the whole point of them locking themselves in the car like what, what are they gonna do <laughs> right <laughs> we're now we're just in a smaller space than the house um chekhov's ear really in this yep. one <laughs> yeah. so uh Tori then manages to take the cigarette lighter because it's 1993, shoves it in the leprechaun's nose, which causes him to run into the barn. Leprechaun then busts out of the barn with a pedal cart, which has now been fixed with a pitchfork on the end, and he manages to ram the truck and flip it over. Truck flips a couple of times, landing in a ditch. When the leprechaun goes to investigate the truck, there's no one there. When they see an opening, they run from the for the house, and the leprechaun is in hot pursuit, but they make it into the house and slam the door on the leprechaun's hand, which then gets severed. The hand climbs the Climbs the door and opens it and is reunited with the leprechaun. <laughs> I like the use of the word reunite it. <laughs> it's a little evil dead uh, kind of uh, yeah. a stop motion animation on that. I also don't know why the leprechaun doesn't walk in after the uh, hand come, comes open and opens the door. Yeah. And also you find out later he can teleport. So why is that yeah. door stopping him? 100%. It's like they, <laughs> he always forgets when uh, he can't, when he can teleport. He literally just teleported into a safe. Which I'm pretty sure he does in In the Hood. And we had the same exact conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tori remembers that she has a quote-unquote portable and manages to get a call out to the sheriff before the phone dies. And uh, The sheriff then calls a patrolman to go investigate the O'Grady house, but it's actually the leprechaun on the other end impersonating the patrolman he killed, telling the sheriff he's on it. 
Uh, accidentally lets it slip that they found a bag of gold that belongs to the leprechaun and Alex tells Tori they found some and they hid it in the well. So Tori plans to go out and grab the bag of gold and give it to the leprechaun so he will leave them alone. And when Nathan tries to go with her, it's obvious he can't in his condition. So she takes his shotgun and heads out. And the very obvious edit of, you know, she walks out that door with pace. And then when they cut to her, she's in a standstill position at the beginning of the scene. <laughs> There's also that weird cut of she's like, tell me everything you know about the well. And it's like a, a uh, I don't even know the, the term of the, the flip, the, but it like flips the screen. And it's like, all right, now you've told me all you know about the well. <laughs> I'm going to go get it. <laughs> they just needed like a, a crossfade or a dissolve or something. Yeah. It was like a uh, really early uh, uh, After Effects uh, spin move. It's like, oh, well, we cut 30 seconds out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she makes it to the well and manages to pull up the gold that has been stashed in the water pail at the bottom of the well. And when she grabs the bag, the leprechaun materializes out of nowhere and she returns it to him. He's pretty happy over the return of his gold and kisses her on the cheek that proceeds to count it. She runs into the house and tells everyone the leprechaun looked, took his gold back and now they can go to the hospital. While they're getting ready to leave, he finishes counting the gold and he has one gold piece short. That piece being in the belly of Ozzy after accidentally swallowing it in the first act. So right before they leave, Alex opens the fridge to get ice for Ozzy's ear and the leprechaun pops out and attacks Alex. They pull the leprechaun off Alex and the leprechaun hand, leprechaun's hand gets stuck on the electric stove, which has, he has to pry off. Then he runs and hides in the cabinets. Tori starts opening the cabinets with Nathan ready to shoot the leprechaun the first chance he gets, but he's always in another cabinet instead of like a weird game of a whack-a-mole. He then dematerializes and they make their way to the living room and try to find him. Winds coming down the chimney and just gets another shot from the shotgun right in the chest. When Nathan thinks he's dead, he pops back up and does a jig out of the room towards the back of the house. And then Nathan follows and the leprechaun starts sliding back and forth through the hallway on a skateboard. Nathan unable to hit him because Nathan is a terrible shot. Go back to the kitchen and they hear a commotion in the basement. So Nathan bends down to listen closer and the leprechaun breaks out from under the floorboards and Nathan shoots him again. Then he goes back down to the basement and starts calling them on the landline, demanding to know where the rest of the gold is. Ozzy then realizes the last gold piece in his stomach. So he plans to go outside and sacrifice himself, but everyone stops him. Then Ozzy says the one person that will know how to stop a leprechaun is O'Grady, who's in a nursing home after suffering a stroke 10 years ago. Yeah, like, why did this just come to their mind now? Yeah, well, I mean, it's Ozzy. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> he's a little, you know, he's special. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it is a hell of a time to tell us that O'Grady is still alive somewhere. Yeah. But also, this is a detour this movie does not need to make. Um, they devise a plan of throwing shoes and leprechaun at the leprechaun to make him have to shine them. And then Tori takes a Jeep to go see Grady. Leprechaun tra- tries to trail behind the Jeep with a pair of skates, but winds up crashing into a fence in comic form. <clears throat> And Tori gets to the nursing home and manages to read where Great O'Grady's room is as a security guard sleeps at his desk. She walks down the hall. Which, go ahead. Going back to the fence thing, I feel they do this in every movie where he goes through something that then it makes a leprechaun shape hole. They might. Actually, yeah, they yeah. might. <laughs> um, she walks down the hall, which is super creepy for some reason. Because as of right now, it's just a regular old nursing home. But I guess, you know, those are creepy just in their own right. Um, she makes it to O'Grady's room and, he, and she tells him that the leprechaun is out. And with his back turn, he tells her that there's only one way to kill a, vamp- a leprechaun vampire, I almost said. And he's not going to tell her, then turns around in his wheelchair to reveal that it's actually the leprechaun. He chases Tori into the elevator, and O'Grady comes crashing through the ceiling, and he tells her that the only way to kill a leprechaun is to place a four-leaf clover on him, and then O'Grady dies. So then Tori drives off and makes it back to the house and starts going through a patch of clovers, 
but the leprechaun shows up and starts chasing after her. She runs off and finds the police cruiser, so she runs towards it, thinking it's help. But when she gets in, she finds a dead cop. She grabs a nightstick off the cop and puts it through the leprechaun's eye socket, so he in turn pulls out the eye of the dead cop and puts it in his own eye socket. Eye then, for an eye. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Nathan, Ozzy, and Alex show up and shoot the leprechaun again, knocking him out. This this uh, leprechaun is just taking shots, man. <laughs> Tori tells Nathan and Ozzy that they need to find a four-leaf clover, and they all go looking for one in the patch. Meanwhile, Alex sets up a bar tra- bear trap in the barn, planning just, to catch the leprechaun. Just happens to have a four-leaf clover or clover patch. Yep. In, in, in their yard. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of assholes on their hands and knees looking through a clover patch at and in the third act. That's how you want your heroes. Yeah. Who's watching? <laughs> and the leprechaun is watching Alex set up the bear trap the whole time. Tori starts getting frustrated because she feels they'll never find a four-leaf clover because you're probably not. But Ozzy then tells her she's not going to find one until she believes. So she has to believe. Yeah. (laughs) It always comes down to belief, right? So she says begrudgingly, I believe, and then it appears in her hand. So she really didn't have to believe. She just said she she just had to say that she did. (laughs) And then they head to the barn just in time to see the leprechaun trying to shove Alex's head into the bear trap. And Ozzy tells the leprechaun that he's the one that he wants because he swallowed the coin. So the chase is on again as the leprechaun chases after Ozzy. And Tori completely freezes with the clover, but Alex takes it from her and chases after the leprechaun. Ozzy falls down in, in the chase, and the leprechaun starts beating him in it with a belt, like he's a stepdad or something. But then Alex comes in and wraps the clover around a piece of chewing gum, says, fuck you, Lucky Charms, and shoots the clover down yeah. the leprechaun's throat. Pretty good moment, I'll say. Yeah, it's the uh, yippee-ki-yay of, of, its, of its day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the leprechaun starts to melt and falls down the well. He then tries to climb back up, but Nathan hits him with the butt of his gun. Why does he shoot him? Well, we've seen it. that happen so many times already. I think uh, <laughs> I think Nathan's like, all right, that's not really going to help. And then he pours down gas down the, the well and lights a match and tosses it down the well exploding. The cops show up eventually and the leprechaun in VO does a rhyme about his gold and spells and then we fade out. That's the end of Leprechaun. Uh, yeah, for a spooky sitcom, it's not bad, but <laughs> nothing more than that, really. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it is sort of a good, like, primer horror movie, but um, yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> like, um, it's kind of wild that this actually made a lot of money, but um, I don't know. I, I think it would be more interesting if, like, this just was, like, all in everyone's head. There was no Leprechaun. Sure. Yeah, I'd like to see like, that. Yeah, like an A24 remake. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we had another movie where we said that that would be the better outcome. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. But yeah, that seems to come up a lot in these horror movies. It's yeah. like, it'd be better if it was just imagined and yeah. nobody believes them. I say that about Jaws 2 all the time, where it's that would be a much more interesting movie if it's just Brady, Brody just being a psychotic and just the shark never shows up. Because why would another shark happen? He's just like screaming at random people about sharks and they're like, yeah, calm down. Shooting (laughs) schools of fish on the beach. It's like, man, there's really an interesting movie in there about a guy trying to overcome his PTSD from the first movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I it's look, uh, it's not great, but it's better than in the hood, which isn't saying a whole lot. (laughs) It's not better than it's not better than three because that, you know, Three, three's got Caroline Williams in it. Three's got Lee Armstrong, who never made another movie again, but she's nice to look at. Um, and the the Vegas setting is a lot more interesting than this 
random ass house that they've got for dirt cheap in probably the desert of California. Yeah. To shoot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, I will say that like, I even kind of like two more than I do like the first film. And again, that's kind of a low bar, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like two and, and especially three, like lean more into like, they know what this is. Um, like, I mean, I feel like like part two kind of tries to maybe be a little serious, but yeah, like at the end of the day, you have Leprechaun getting shit faced in a bar, um, having a drinking contest, which is amazing. So <laughs> that's fun. That sounds like fun. That sounds like the type of movie I wish this was. But it's <laughs> yeah. very I guess it's just this one's just a very serviceable. Let's I've got a million dollars to make a movie. Let's, you know, hit all the beats I need to hit. Maybe we'll maybe we'll make some jokes and Hope, let's hope we catch lightning in a bottle. And I guess for the most part, they did. They made eight and a half million dollars. So yeah, that's wild. I, I mean, you said it was like a nine hundred thousand dollar budget, also, yep. which is like yeah. nothing. Um, like yeah. even back then. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, there are moments that, like, when it when it kind of leans into like the humorous and and the camp, I feel like is when it's it's strongest. I mean, like. I mean, because I mean, at the end of the day, it is like a ridiculous premise. Everybody knows it. Um, so just kind of lean in, into that. So, yeah, I think I think like I you mentioned earlier, it's like it doesn't seem like everybody's in on the joke. And I think that's that kind of hamstrings it just a little bit. Yeah. Again, it, it's so weird because you can you really can tell um, that this was sort of like a family friendly film that they're like, um, let's just get some random gore in here. Um which is fine. I mean, you know, do what you got to do. But uh, again, it just makes it feel very off. Um, yeah, this movie probably succeeds more as like a PG-13 PG. Um, yeah, like it, it it almost kind of feels like Troll. Sure. In yeah. In a way, um, which I think is kind of what it was probably aiming for. Um, but yeah, definitely not as good as Troll 2, as we all know. Yes. <laughs> it's one of our earliest episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> love it love it uh yeah i think that's gonna wrap us up on this episode uh mike why don't you tell everyone where you they could find you uh yeah so i'm on twitter at strange cinema 65 um so i'm very active on there and then uh my book the ultimate guide to strange cinema is on amazon and um you know as i said i have a um, new show um called Return of the Living Geeks, and you can find that on YouTube. Um, just type that in or go to um, Geek Vibes Podcast and check us out. Okay, great. And like I said, we are wrapping up this week. Uh, next week, we've got another great show coming up, probably. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but uh, check it out. Uh, we'll also have our poll that goes up next week for our March movie of the month for baseball movies. And it's uh, winner winner retire for uh, one particular film. Um, yeah, so we got a bunch of great stuff coming up the pipeline, few things happening on like the business side of things that will sure to keep you guys uh, abreast of, I guess is the word I was looking for. Um, but that's going to wrap us up. Uh, check out the website, uh, check out the Twitter at TicTamPod and all that good stuff. So the director of Leprechaun is Mark Jones. So for Mark Myers, Michael Vaughn, and Dan Aquino, who is not with us this week, um, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling director Mike Mark Jones, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? <laughs>
Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie. 